Camera settings can seem scary. Today, we'll be exploring some of the basic things that will get you feeling more confident behind your camera. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Free Will Photos Podcast with Chris Scott, where I help new photographers overcome photography equipment, editing applications, and creative blocks so you can go further in your photography journey. Tune in every Monday and Friday for the most recent show. If you want to get in contact with me and ask a very specific question, send me an email at freewillphotos at gmail.com. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Free Will Photos podcast. From the intro, you know that we're going to be talking all about some of the basic camera settings you should know to operate your camera like a pro. If you're confident behind the camera, using manual, aperture priority, and shutter priority modes, then this episode may not be for you. If you're ready to get off auto and get a roadmap to success on building confidence with your camera, then let's get started. First thing you need to know is what makes up exposure. That's made up of three things, aperture, shutter speed, and your ISO. These three things control the light as it hits your camera sensor. The result in an image recorded based on that light captured over time and the sensitivity of your sensor makes your image or your exposure. Learning to control these three things on your camera are going to help you create the images that you see in your head or just the surroundings that you see in front of you. Every camera manufacturer and even body types will have different methods of adjusting these three things. So it's important that you take a look at your camera and figure out where they are so you can start to adjust those settings. If you don't know where they are, look inside your manual, watch a YouTube video. Every camera is going to be different, so I can't really tell you where your aperture adjustment is or your shutter speed adjustment is. Uh, Some cameras, you may have a point and shoot and you gotta only tap on the screen to do that. So you're just gonna have to look at your camera manual to figure that out. So to get more familiar with these settings though, here's what I want you to do. If you're using DSLR, go ahead and take some painter's tape or some less adhesive tape, something that's not gonna mess up your camera. We wanna put that over the back of your LCD screen or your LED screen, whatever it is. And if you have a camera that has an LCD screen at the top, then go ahead and put some painter's tape over that as well. The goal here is to get you familiar with making the adjustments on your camera without looking at it by pulling it away from your eye. So what you're going to do is put the camera up to your dominant eye, whatever you use to photograph your images. And... You're just going to make adjustments and snap a picture, starting with your aperture first, because everyone wants those blurry background photos. So make that number go as low as you can possibly get it and take a photo and then move it all the way up until you get to the highest aperture that you possibly can. Or uh, if you have a mirrorless camera and you're using the exposure simulation until you're your uh, images start to come out really, really dark because you're not letting enough light hit the sensor. Don't adjust your shutter speed or your ISO while you're manipulating your aperture. What you want to get used to is observing the light in front of you. And then at what aperture does your camera start to block out all of the light and you get a black frame? And at what aperture do you get too much light that you're going to have to adjust your 
shutter speed or your ISO for. Your ISO should be at 100 and your shutter speed should also be at 100th of a second. I forgot to mention that earlier. Then you're going to go through the same exercise and this time what you're going to do because you you don't want to um we're not worried about motion blur or anything like that all we're trying to do is get exposure obviously if you go lower than 100th of a second you're going to let in more light the lower your shutter speed is the more time uh your shutter is open allowing light to hit the sensor so if you go below 100th to 180th of a second then 160th and 130th and all the way down uh, you can absolutely get rid of some light or I'm sorry let more light in the goal here is really to see how to expose for the light in front of you with getting a sharp image at the same time without using lens stabilization or uh, in body stabilization so instead go the opposite direction I want you to go up to 120th of a second and then 160th and then 200th and all the way up until you start to get that dark frame, but leaving your aperture at F 5.6 and your ISO at 100. You're only adjusting your shutter speed. This is getting some muscle memory built in to identifying where those two dials are if you have a, cam a DSLR that allows you to manipulate both of those things. Some cameras, they only have one dial on it. So you may have to push a button down to activate the aperture dial or the aperture adjustment. This is also helping you look inside of your viewfinder to see what adjustments you're actually making. This drill is going to help you get so much more familiar with your camera than just running around snapping random photos because you're looking at your aperture, you're adjusting it. Now, once you've gotten done going through the range of all these images, you can take the tape off the back of your LCD screen, go into your preview mode, and just review your images. You'll see the changes in the exposure. Now, all we're looking for is tonality. We're not looking so much for sharpness, although you know you should be focused on something. And I recommend you take pictures of the exact same thing for this. You could be inside using fluorescent lights. You could be outside using sunlight. You could be wherever. doesn't really matter. As long as you are paying attention to a subject and adjusting each one of these settings so that way you know where they are and you start to pay attention to what they do to your photo, you're going to figure out what settings you need to adjust when you're taking a photo for a client or just for yourself and you want to get a good exposure you know the ballpark of where you need to be and then eventually you're going to learn how your camera renders the light so you'll know what settings under many light different uh, lighting conditions how to actually capture that image so that's the first drill the next thing that you want to do and this is going to help a lot of people just put your camera into aperture priority mode aperture priority mode is one of those auto manual modes that some people they give a give you a hard time because it's like well you're not shooting in full manual so you're not a real photographer uh just ignore them because that is an elitist mindset that gets you nowhere if you capture an image and it comes out the way that you were expecting it to who cares what mode you were using even if it was full auto right if it came out the way that you wanted it to come out then congratulations you got the picture like, don't 
let people uh, bully you or criticize you because of the mode that you use to capture an image. Uh, those are immature photographers. They don't really care so much about the art of photography. Uh, they care about being some sort of purist operator that has technical superiority, or at least they feel that way. And they're irrelevant. That's the truth. They're irrelevant. I don't care how successful of a photographer they are. They're irrelevant if they're going to look down on you because you're using aperture priority mode. Now, using the aperture priority mode, you'll find that it's going to make adjustments to two of your other exposure uh, triangle settings. Okay. So the settings that it's going to adjust will probably be your shutter speed or it'll be your ISO or both. Now you can lock in your ISO in most cameras for on your aperture priority. You can lock in your ISO. So when you change your aperture, it's only adjusting your shutter speed or you can lock in your shutter speed. And as you change your aperture, it just changes your ISO. There are a lot of opportunities available. Uh, and the aperture priority mode, it really helps if you're out and about and you just want to be in the moment. Like I personally leave my shutter speed at 100th of a second and I put my ISO to auto because I can clean up almost all of the ISOs or all of the ISOs. I can usually clean up my images pretty well, depending on what ISO my camera de decides to shoot. Uh, because 3200 on my camera, uh, which is a 20 megapixel sensor on the R6 and uh, 30 megapixels on the EOS R, those are easy for me to clean up in post-production at 3200 ISO. So I'm not as concerned about that. And I'm more confident that I'm capturing the moment or the image that I want to capture. And my tones are going to come out the way that I want them to. Uh, and the cool thing about digital noise, if you print and matte, the noise adds a sort of character to your image. So I'm okay with a little bit of noise in my images as well. So here's the exercise you're going to do with the aperture priority mode. You're going to grab an object, set it on a surface anywhere in your home, doesn't really matter. Use the light that is already there. Now, if you can, I want you to block out any other lights. So if you have curtains, uh, blinds, just go ahead and turn those down uh, or close them. We want to minimize the other sources of light so that way you can really hone in your ability to capture the image under the lighting conditions uh, that you have, but that are also controlled. The reason you want to do this is you're going to learn more about how your camera responds to low light situations, high light situations, all those things. And then you're going to feel more confident when you're taking pictures in aperture priority mode uh, because the camera is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. You're more than welcome to photograph in RAW. You know how I feel about that. Uh, I think that you should shoot both RAW and JPEG. Let your camera make some decisions for you. It's okay. It's not the end of the world if your camera makes some decisions for you. Just shoot the highest quality JPEG that you can. You're going to save yourself a lot of time in post. You're going to save yourself a lot of time, a lot of space on your hard drives, things of that sort. Just my recommendation, my two cents, do you.
but you're going to do the same drill except for the same drill as the first one um except with the aperture priority mode you're going to go from the lowest prior or lowest aperture that your lens allows all the way up to the highest aperture and you're going to see the adjustments that it has to make inside of the camera to expose it properly now you can use the exposure compensation if you'd like but i recommend for this experiment you leave it at zero so that way you can see exactly what your camera uh, does to expose for that now if you know that it's a dark area and you need to uh, bump up the exposure manually then that's where you may want to go one stop overexpose, and that's going to help neutralize the scene for you just a bit more all right so the next thing after you got aperture priority mode and you know where all of your functions are on your camera you can do the same thing in your shutter priority mode uh, but we want to move on to the focusing mode now every camera is going to be a little bit different on mirrorless cameras you may have something uh, like face detect eye detect zone focusing um, you can use those my recommendation if you want to really be like confident behind your camera go to single focus and move your focus point this is where focus and recomposing comes in handy you're going to focus on your subject and then compose your shot inside of the frame the way that you want now keep in mind when you're doing this the focal plane is equivalent to where you are after you've locked focus so if your subject is a person and they walk closer to you after you've already focused on them, you're going to have to refocus because they left the focal plane that you were on. Now, if you are using a wide open aperture, I recommend you stand at least five feet away, uh, maybe even further, uh, eight feet. You know, in this global pandemic, they say six feet is where you want to be anyway. So if you're using an aperture of 1.8 or 2.8, uh, 2.8, you could be a little bit closer. Um, but the reason for this is the distance from the lens to the subject is the equivalent of your focal plane. Or I guess it dramatically affects your focal plane. Once your subject leaves that plane, they go out of focus. But the further you are from your subject, the deeper your focal plane is, which means you have a little bit more wiggle room if you're photographing, say, a kid. You may want to uh, photograph at 2.8 and then be a, a little distance away because kids, you know, they're unpredictable sometimes. So. My recommendation is you photograph them on a smaller aperture further away using a single focus point and you're controlling where your camera focuses at that at that point. Um, if you have a camera that only has a few focal points, use the ones that are in the middle of your sensor. Uh, those are going to yield the best results. 
And then if you have a mirrorless camera, then, I mean, you can almost focus anywhere that you can see inside the frame. Uh, so just move your focal point, single focus. Now, the face detect and the eye detect, those are pretty easy. You should probably learn how to use them and if they're any good on your camera. I know that there's some cameras that it's just not that good on. So take that with a grain of salt. Use it. Don't use it. But the next version of focusing mode that you should focus or pay attention to is continuous servo. Now, if you have a subject that's moving rapidly, uh, kids running, a race car, um, birds in flight, I recommend you go into single point focus, but servo mode. And what this does is as you're in your drive mode, which we'll talk about next, uh, it's going to refocus for each one of those shots as best it can in between those shots. So continuous servo just means that your lens is always on autofocus, all right? And as long as you're holding that shutter button down or halfway pressing to activate the autofocus, if your subject is moving, it's just going to keep doing its thing. So the next setting is your drive mode. You want to know how to change your drive mode from a single photo to multiple photos. The reason you want to know how to do this is if you're in continuous servo and you're taking a picture of moving objects that are going pretty fast, there's continuous high and continuous low drive modes. Each one of these drive modes uh, are going to yield a different result and it's going to affect your frames per second. My recommendation is that you work in continuous low for anything like kids moving because you don't need every single frame of a kid moving. You work in continuous high if you're photographing birds in flight because the likelihood of you having that bird in focus for multiple frames is a lot lower. So the more frames that you have the chance of capturing a good image, uh, then you want to put it in high. Now, if you're using some of these mirrorless cameras that have animal AF, you're probably going to get a lot better result. Uh, in the long run, but these cameras are just now starting to hit the market. Nikon, uh, I think they uploaded their firmware for Animal AF for their Z6 and 7, and maybe even the Z5, but don't quote me on that. Um, and then the new cameras are going to have it. Sony, I don't know if they have it, but I know Canon, the R6 and the R5 both have the Animal AF, so you'll have that. Drive modes aren't as important as long as you know how to set them and setting your timer on your camera and snapping a photo. These, those, are, those are things that are gonna help you feel more confident behind your camera. And then the last thing is your metering mode. Now, this is going to help your camera determine where the highlights are and where the shadows are. There's really only two metering modes that you need to know about. The first one is matrix metering. This or evaluative metering, depending on the type of camera you have. Each one of these modes will, or I'm sorry, this particular mode will evaluate your scene and collect as much of the data about the shadows and the highlights and determine where those are in the image uh, 
based off of what you focused on. Now, this is helping, this is probably the metering mode that you will stay on the most because it does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. And I won't say it doesn't matter because it absolutely does, but this works better when you're shooting something like a landscape. When you're photographing portraits, you want to make sure that you are evaluating properly for the skin tones. And that's where spot metering comes in. Each camera functions a little different when it comes to spot metering. On the Nikon, your spot meter happens at your focal point. So where, whatever you focus on, then it evaluates that particular spot and says, and it adjusts for the highlights and the shadows based off of that. For a Canon camera, the spot metering happens based off of where you are. Uh, you get a little circle in the center of your frame, essentially, and that's where your spot metering happens. So if you're photographing a person, you want to make sure that you are putting that spot on their skin and then potentially recomposing uh, so you can get good skin tones. Using the face, uh, using spot metering and the face detect on most of the Canon cameras, it yields good results. So if you have one, I would go with that. If you're using an older DSLR from Canon, then you're going to potentially have to do some focusing and recomposing just so you can get the skin tones rendered pretty nicely. But you definitely want to be on spot, or at least that's my recommendation. So those are all the settings that I think you should be aware of to be more confident behind your camera. Keep in mind, you don't have to have nice things in order for you to photograph on a consistent basis. Instead, you just need to have something to take pictures of so that way you can get familiar with using your camera. So when you do have the nice things in front of you, you can snap the shutter button and capture the image of the people or the thing that's in front of you in the way that you see in your mind or as it's presented to you in person. It's important that you learn how to be more confident behind your camera, especially if you're looking to make this a profession or if it's just an artistic outlet and you get frustrated easily by not capturing the image the way that you were expecting to capture it. So there are some other features that you can look into once you've mastered these. Uh, those features would be auto bracketing, multiple exposure, and focus bracketing if your camera has that feature built into it. But until next time, I want you guys to stay inspired and keep creating. Peace. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As mentioned at the top of the show, if you would like to ask a very specific question, send an email to freewillphotos at gmail.com or you can leave a message on the freewillphotos anchor.fm page. Both links are listed in the show notes. I'm always looking for guests to be part of the show. So if you would like to join me in discussing any topic related to photography, send me an email. As always, I want you to stay inspired and keep creating.